Hi, this is Herb Kressel, and welcome to another edition of the Radiology uh, Podcast. Uh, today I'm joined by Dr. Robert McDonald, a uh, resident in radiology at the Mayo Clinic. You may remember Dr. McDonald and his colleagues uh, uh, won the Margulis Award for Scientific Excellence uh, last year uh, on their paper uh, looking at uh, risks of acute uh, injury to the kidney following contrast administration. And now uh, the group has uh, authored a paper entitled Intravenous Contrast Exposure is Not an Independent Risk Factor for Dialysis or Mortality. Welcome, Dr. McDonald. Well, thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Nice of you to join us. So you already won the award. Uh, so what was the specific rationale for doing this? You don't want to win another award, do you? Uh, <laughs> why do we specifically need to look at mortality and dialysis rates? What's the real question here? Well, I think it's a sort of a natural extension of the prior study. Uh, and to that end, you know, it's essentially the same study population. Um, really, the last uh, the last paper essentially asked, well, are the rates of acute kidney injury similar or different between people who are exposed to contrast and similar people who aren't? And this basically extends upon that and says, okay, independent of that, what's happening to them in terms of their short-term mortality risk okay. and their risk for needing dialysis? So, okay. so it. it it's really a function of asking the more, we think, more important clinical question, what, what are the outcomes? Right. Okay. And so, uh, how, did, how did you do this? What did you actually do? Did you need to modify the propensity matching approach or uh, just specifically look at, uh, at the two additional variables? Um, you know, interestingly, we kind of foresaw, we, we tried to plan ahead. And so it turns out that the, the propensity score model we used in the first paper had some variables like something called the Charlson comorbidity index, which is a predictor of short-term mortality. Okay. We kind of were planning in advance to do this study. Okay. So the old model incorporated variables we thought would be necessary for the current study. So, so in that regard, we actually didn't really modify that okay. model at all. And so, so what did you find? Uh, so what we found is that um, Following propensity score adjustment, where you basically um, pick patients that are very similar clinically to each other in the contrast-exposed arm compared to the, uh, the group of patients who underwent an unenhanced CT exam, that the rates of mortality uh, were statistically not different uh, between those two groups, uh, irrespective of baseline renal function or whether or not they, they uh, basically uh, experienced acute kidney injury after their uh, CT scan. Mm -hmm. So it turns out that what we found was that in the past, people have published uncontrolled studies where they linked acute kidney injury to contrast exposure and, of course, saw that there was far worse mortality, uh, more severe mortality in people who had AKI and, so, and essentially causally associated all those variables together. But we found is that you can tease that apart and find that actually acute kidney injury, but not contrast exposure, is what's predictive of short-term mortality. I see. And in terms of our dialysis findings, very similarly, we found no differences. Now, importantly, we only looked at emergent dialysis, so that's sort of the term we right. gave to anyone who never needed dialysis before. So obviously, the rules are very different if you already are a chronic dialysis sure. uh, patient. So, 
so really not only were the, the numbers incredibly low um, but uh, you know they were essentially no different now you did uh, an interesting thing that I'd like you to comment on you did a sensitivity analysis looking for adjusting for different levels on the propensity matching. Could you tell us a little about that and sort of how that fit into your overall results? Sure. So essentially we did something called a bootstrapping uh, sensitivity analysis where bootstrap sensitivity analysis where we basically recalculated the propensity score a hundred different times for each outcome variable using uh, five different uh, matching techniques, including the one we used in the paper mm -hmm. and four others, just to sort of not only independently verify that our results weren't or just some sort of anomaly, because uh, in reality when you do a propensity score, it's a statistical model, and so you want to make sure that uh, it's not just some uh, sort of outlier in terms of what your model predicts. Sure. And so in this way, we can not only verify that the technique we used was similar to other well-established propensity score matching techniques but that our results were internally consistent. Okay. So uh, we now have two studies uh, from your group, uh, and I guess a study somewhat similar but slightly different from the University of Michigan group, uh, kind of suggesting that uh, the acute kidney injury as a result of contrast in the past was very overstated. And in your group's uh, data, there really is no effect. Uh, on uh, uh, the contrast on the need for uh, uh, dialysis or uh, early uh, mortality change. So how do you think uh, we should use this information? What are, what are the implications clinically? Right. Um, so I, I guess before I answer that, I think it's important to note that, uh, you know, even uh, comparing our results to the Michigan group results, uh, performed by Matt Davenport and his co-authors, really we're in over 95% agreement on our yeah. data. Um, it's above a semperatine of two or roughly an EGFR of 30 where our results diverge. And even then, um, I, I'd argue that our, our results are very similar to each other. So for 95% of patients, we agree that we can't uniquely identify a phenomenon that we call contrast-induced problem. Okay. Um, so, I think that's uh, a very important point because, uh, you know, I, I've certainly encountered people who have sort of uh, thought that these uh, papers were wildly different, and, right. and uh, I've thought about this for a long time now, sure. and, uh, and it's actually uh, important to know how similar they are. Good. Um, so, and in terms of why this is important, well, you know, really for, for decades we've been extrapolating the risk of intravenous contrast material use from non-controlled intra-arterial studies. Predominantly, that's yeah. where our risk was expected from. And they were quoting risks of, uh, uh, of mortality of upwards of 30% in people with compromised renal function, uh, suggesting that you know many people were needing dialysis after contrast exposure. So really, um, and we had these risks that, you know, uh, not surprisingly, it horrified our clinical colleagues mm -hmm. who were ordering and uh, really limit our diagnostic uh, utility in terms of you know, providing them with the best test. Sure. We thought this was a very important uh, study to do to really assess in a controlled fashion what the true risks are of intravenous contrast use because we feel that there are many reasons why it might be very different from the intra-arterial contrast administration. So, and in terms of, uh, um, in terms of what, 
why we think that's important, we feel that we can now administer contrast to a far greater range of patients uh, without fear that we're going to be inducing acute kidney injury or causing one of these horrible outcomes. Right. So has this formally affected practice guidelines at the Mayo Clinic and how the radiology department decides when to give iodinated contrast agents? Sure. Um, and clearly, we are, we're a large group of radiologists that have varying comfort levels, but we have, in fact, changed our, um, our clinical practice guidelines. We now uh, feel very comfortable giving contrast up to creatinine of 2.0, which is, like I said, roughly an EGFR of 30 in patients. Above 2, we, we will have a discussion with the ordering provider, <laughs> at which point we'll, we'll sort of call them and, and discuss if the clinical need uh, outweighs the, whatever risk they might perceive still exists, and uh, we will sort of go from there. Okay. So really, we've expanded it to about 95% of all patients. Okay, good. Now, do you foresee any changes in the overall ACR guidelines in the future? Uh, that would seem to be an important next step. Yeah, so it, it turns out that I happen to be one of the members of the ACR Contrast Committee now, along with uh, Dr. Davenport and some of the other uh, co-authors from Michigan. And yeah, we are uh, in the process of submitting this, uh, the, these updated guidelines, and they will reflect these new data. Okay. Good. And then uh, last question, uh, which I was thinking about in terms of someone practicing in the community who uh, wants to implement uh, changes in their practice based on the findings in these papers. And do you have any thoughts about the potential legal implications where a site might change their contrast administration practice based on the results of your study? and then not be com consistent with what are viewed as community standards locally, where not all the practices may have implemented this change. Sure. Um, I, you know, obviously this is a, a very important and, and delicate subject. Um, uh, you know, obviously it'd be nice if everyone uh, saw this data and immediately accepted it and said, okay, well, or at least decided that uh, there's enough merit to this <clears throat> that everyone changed their practice guidelines. but. Obviously, that's, it's going to be a far more slow transition, particularly in the, in the smaller private mm -hmm. practice setting, um, where there's still obviously going to be concern over uh, litigation uh, because, I mean, we've had 60 years of people saying contrast can hurt right. kidneys. So it's, <laughs> that perception is going to take many years, I think, to change. Um, in terms of uh, changes, I mean, I guess it's our hope that, that these data provide a foundation for not only our own future research, but others to maybe even do pursue prospective mm -hmm. studies because they need some definitive studies before everyone in the, in the medical community accepts our right. findings. So, so it sounds I'm like we could look for some gradual change and perhaps the ACR modifying yeah. uh, their change and so that we don't want people to get too far out on a limb uh, because people who receive, con that's how we got into the problem, people who receive contrast have other comorbidities and do require dialysis or do have bad outcomes, but they just may not be due to the contrast. Right, and, and I think part of it is, like I said, I, I've obviously thought about this now for a while, we're very good at identifying who's really sick. Yeah. And it happens we bring these patients into hospitals and, uh, and we happen to scan them very early in their hospitalization. Not surprisingly, sir, we, we catch them at the beginning of their acute illness. <clears throat> when they're 
essentially hypotensive or dehydrated. Right. And so these patients are going to have spikes in their serum creatinine that are going to be independent of, uh, you know, any sort of perceived contrast-induced uh, nephrotoxicity. But of course, we sort of feel that in the past, it's been misattributed that right. they, you know they blame the contrast, but there's a myriad of other, you know, explanations. Well, good. Well, I want to thank you and your colleagues for this fine paper. I think you guys have really uh, made a major contribution in sorting out a, uh, a troubling uh, issue for us. And thank you very much for joining us in the podcast. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Okay. Bye-bye.